Hey everyone, and welcome to the Younger Old Man Podcast. On this week's episode, I got to chat with my brother-in-law, Alex, uh, about not necessarily growing up with tons of exposure to being outdoors, camping, backpacking, uh, and hunting. And now he finds himself doing all of those things uh, and being really excited about providing meat uh, for his family and being very excited to do so. So I hope you get to sit back, uh, really enjoy this conversation, um, and maybe be inspired to do some things and try some new things uh, that y- you may have no familiarity in doing. Uh, didn't necessarily grow up with a whole lot of exposure to uh, doing things outside in the sense of like you didn't really grow up camping or hunting or things like that. Is that kind of safe to say? Yeah, I, I'd really just done it a small handful of times before I reached adulthood, really. Um, so, you know, I'd gone like car camping a few times, never been backpacking, never hunted or done a whole lot of that stuff. Um I think my dad used to fish a little bit here and there, but it was super casual. You know, we would just go down to the nearby river and, and, you know, drop a line or something like that. Okay, cool. And was that something that you enjoyed doing or was that kind of just more like something to do while you were spending time with your dad and that happened to be what you did? No, I, I think I remember, you know, kind of enjoying it a little bit at first, you know, as, as a kid, it's hard to be, super patient as you're waiting for a bite or something like that. But, you know, it, it would always be worth it whenever we got anything, but you know, it wasn't anything fancy. We weren't like sport fishermen and didn't, didn't catch any big bass or anything like that. Right. Right. It was more just to have a little bit of fun. And at, at that point in time, probably just learn some patience. Yeah. I remember actually this one time we were at the river and I, I uh, got a fish on my line. And by the time I reeled it in, I was like, okay, why, I don't know why this fish is bright yellow. Uh, and I, I got to see it a little bit more closely and it turned out to be like some tropical pet store fish or whatever that I guess somebody had flushed. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, okay, good. that's a cool find. I don't think this is a, a native species here. That's crazy. And the thing was still alive too. That's pretty oh, yeah. wild. Yeah, it was doing fine. So there you go. Depending on uh, how far away you flush your goldfish, you might have someone else catch it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so then, I mean, I guess what kind of made you interested? What were the influences that made you interested, um, you know, maybe in camping and backpacking? And then we can get to hunting a little bit uh, down the road here. But um, what kind of sparked your interest in that kind of thing later in life? Uh, I think, you know, my my friends in, in college had wanted to do some outdoorsy stuff every once in a while. Uh, again, we weren't like super huge on it necessarily, but I, I became, you know, uh, more interested in, and started to enjoy it a little bit more. But, you know, then I, uh, I met your wonderful sister, my now wife, Alyssa, uh, and she was definitely kind of the, the impetus for me to really start doing more and more of that. And, um, uh, I remember just really enjoying that and, and having more of an appreciation for, for nature after, uh, after I met her. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't, I guess I didn't know that. I mean, I knew it wasn't probably till later that you were interested in that kind of thing, but that's interesting. Alyssa is the impetus to whip you into shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess she... I have to, to thank your family for that one. 
Oh, cool. Cool. Well, that's that's interesting, too, because I think I don't know. I might be wrong about this. Maybe Alyssa will listen to this and be yelling at uh, whatever her her speaker system or her headphones or whatever. But I feel like she didn't do a whole lot of she certainly did a lot of car camping, but I don't think she really got back into backpacking until I started hearing about you. So that's interesting that maybe this this might might be incorrect, but I don't think she really was that involved in things like backpacking or, or hiking as much um, until I think she met you. So, you know, you, you kind of sparked her interest again, I guess. You must have seemed like a burly outdoorsman. She needed to up her game. <laughs> I think maybe it was just she had someone to carry the heavy pack and she was like, oh, all right, let's do it. <laughs> there you go. Pretty much. Um, yeah, that's cool. And I mean, like, so what about... I don't know, is it something in backpacking, something in hiking, um, you know, that provided that appreciation of nature? Or what was it that really kind of um, made you step back and go, oh, wow, there's something else here? I don't know, man. I think I just kind of matured a little bit. Um, I remember like going on vacations when I was a kid with my parents and, you know, we visited a couple of national parks and I, I distinctly remember just having the worst time. I would always be like, <laughs> you know, this is this is stupid. I don't see the appeal of this. And I don't see why people are pulling over on the side of the road to to go look at a landscape, you know. Right. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, there was a, a switch that flipped in my mind, I think, uh, probably when I was in my early 20s that I was like, OK, this is actually kind of cool. Yeah. You, you you actually start, you know, appreciating the forest for the trees kind of thing a little bit. Definitely. Yeah, that's actually, that's funny. I, I remember that too. Like, I mean, you know, my sister and I were obviously raised with a, a decent exposure to camping, backpacking and all these things. But, and I like, we enjoyed them, but I think we, you know, like going to national parks specifically, I recall just being like, can we go yet? And it wasn't that I didn't like being outside. There was just something about the production of all of it, like going and doing this at this national park and this whole thing that like, as a kid, you kind of just have this sort of, can we go yet attitude, even if you're, you know, kind of having fun, I guess. And then when you get older, you're like, man, my parents took the time to spend the money and time off to take me to this place and try and show me something really cool in the world. That was really cool of them. Um, I, I think that's, you know, that's a cool thing. But I, again, like you said, you kind of, as you mature, you don't, I don't think you really appreciate it till you get a little bit older, maybe. Yeah, definitely. And I, I kind of feel bad for my parents because I, I'm sure I was such a huge pain in their butt. And as you said, you know, you, you spend a lot of money and, and time and resources and whatnot to go out to these places and then, okay, the, the kid might not really appreciate it until way later on in life. And, and now when I talk to my parents about it, I'm just like, you know, I'm so sorry that I was so unappreciative of, of such, the, you know, such a cool experience that, that you gave me. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I, I, I find myself doing that more and more. That and also like having kids now. I mean, we haven't done a ton of that stuff. I mean, we take our kids hiking and things like that. Um, but I, every time we do something like that, like the first time we went camping, I think I remember thinking like, wow, this was actually a big deal for my parents to like taking kids camping, like just taking care of kids alone, trying to get kids to go to sleep in a house that's comfortable and normal with all their stuff at night is a challenge. 
And then you get rid of half the comfort and you put people outside and you're like, please be quiet. So you don't wake up everybody around you. <laughs> you go, wow, thanks mom and dad. That was really cool of you. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I think it's awesome that, uh, that you've been taking your kids out and, and exposing them to that from a very early age. I think that'll really, I think, uh, positively shape them as, as they get older, as far as actually appreciating this stuff, instead of being the sort of like sarcastic, cynical and appreciative kids that that we were maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you thank you i mean yeah it's either that it'll be a total backfire and you know my kids will just you know rebel against the fact that they don't watch tv much and that they go outside a little bit more and they'll go you know what no i'm gonna spend i'm gonna uh ascend into what is it um the metaverse now goodbye <laughs> just strap <laughs> into the matrix and never come back out this you they'll, know they'll be the next generation of uh of basement dwellers i guess yes yeah why would i go outside when i can go see the grand canyon on my tv <laughs> <laughs> i hope not but yeah who knows um and then hunting um it also i thought it was really cool um the the fact that you go hunting but also the fact that like I was getting interested in bow hunting around the time that I think you kind of were already starting bow hunting. Um, and it was cool because it was like, oh, my brother-in-law like does this thing that I'm starting to get really interested in. Um, and then, you know, to watch you have the success that you've had in the past few years, um, not only like with actually getting, you know, several deer, but more importantly, like you watch somebody get interested in something and then you get to see the progression of like, oh, well, now they're getting better at this um, skill and now they're being successful with this skill and they're still interested in all this and they're like progressing. It's really cool to watch when you see somebody do that. Um, what, what do you think kind of drew your attention to hunting? You know, that's a great question. And <laughs> Because there's, you know. I mean, there's, there's certain, like, it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, the outdoors are pretty. It's another thing to go, I'm going to find a string attached to a stick, and I'm going to shoot a projectile at an animal to eat. Right. Uh, totally, totally different things for sure. Um, I, I think maybe it was just a, a combination of two separate things. You know, I, uh, I, I remember just this one random day, one of my good buddies sent me this picture, and he was like, Hey man, check out this uh, compound bow that I bought off of Walmart for ninety nine dollars. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I've never heard you talk about that. And it just immediately took me back to like this one summer at rec camp when I was a kid. They like set up these dinky little archery targets and and had some you know really basic recurve bows. And they were like, okay, guys, whoever hits the target closest to center wins a Gatorade <laughs> I remember somehow I got like this lucky shot and I won this Gatorade and I was I was so proud of myself oh wow um, never really got to do it consistently after that but as soon as he sent me that picture I was like I'm in you know <laughs> so I was like right afterwards I was like okay let me go find a bow and then I'll start shooting around um, not necessarily with the intention of hunting for sure but I just, you know, really enjoyed the the archery aspect of things. Um, yeah. And then I think later on, I was like, okay, I know that people use these things to, to actually hunt for their own meat. Uh, and after thinking about it a little bit, I was like, okay, maybe I do want to try that and 
maybe factory farming is not the best thing for for the planet or for the animals. Uh, so I, I think that kind of pushed me a little bit towards that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interesting. You're already becoming the precision master at such a young age for a Gatorade. <laughs> Let me be clear. It was definitely not on target, but <laughs> it was relatively closer than some of the other shots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so that was, I mean, were, did you even ever like try venison or anything like that before you went hunting? I don't think I did. Um, not that I can recall. Cause I mean, certainly my, my parents never bought any venison when I was growing up. Um, you know, I, I think I'd tried some other like sort of exotic stuff, but nothing, nothing quite like that. So, so you're out there and you're going, okay, cool. I'm going to try, I'm going to try and shoot a deer so I can eat. I don't really know what it tastes like. Um, and you never butchered anything before, I'm assuming. Correct. Um, and so, and I mean, well, then there's a, there's a couple other things too that like, there's this whole other thing with bow hunting that I think people don't realize because you're not really just trying to learn how to shoot a bow. You're trying to learn how to shoot a bow at an animal. So then you're having this like, just trying to learn how to shoot a bow fairly accurately up to whatever, 30 yards, whatever your range is. Some people's a little more, some people's a little less. Um, if you're Cameron Haynes, you can shoot a hundred yards and you're a freak, but you know, that's pretty few and far between. Um, then you're also trying to like actually learn how to hunt, which means learning how to be quiet, looking for, you know, understanding behavior of animals. Um, and you started hunting when you still lived in Maryland uh, which means whitetail deer and which means climbing a tree stand and having to shoot, you know, a trajectory out of a tree stand. So you have all these other things tied into it. Um, did you have someone to kind of help you, uh, like point you in the right direction of when you were getting started? Uh, yeah. And thank goodness I did. Cause I, I have no idea how would I, you know, how I would have gotten along if I didn't have a mentor in that regard. Um, so thankfully I, I, you know, was at this bow shop where I, where I got my bow and they had this indoor practice range. So I'd be there, you know, try to go there every, every weekend if I could at the time. Uh, and this one dude was always hanging out there and he was nice enough to take me under his wing. He'd been hunting for most of his life and, you know, he's like middle-aged. Um, so yeah, he kind of showed me the ropes and everything when I had zero experience and, as you said, there's so many variables, not just with hunting, but with bow hunting. Uh, so it was, it was really nice to have that sort of support because otherwise I, I think I would have been in way over my head and, and not known how to do anything. Yeah. And that was, I mean, so the, the first time you shot a deer was out of a tree stand, right? Yeah. Yeah. So basically I, I got super lucky because this guy that became my mentor, he was friendly with some uh, nearby farmers who had pretty much, you know, a little bit of acreage hanging around and <laughs> they, they let him, they let him essentially set up a bunch of, a bunch of tree stands all over the place. Uh, so he was like, okay, the, the farmer said that you're welcome to go on the property with me. Um, so he would set me up in one tree stand. He would be like, okay, you know, these are the things you want to think about. And then he'd go out uh, whether uh, probably like a couple hundred yards away or something like that 
and then we we just kind of do this buddy hunt that you know not, neither of us were in each other's way of course with a bow uh but it was it was just nice knowing that i had that that person with me if if something were to happen and i was like you know miraculously getting a deer or something yeah yeah that's huge i mean uh the so i've hunted two years now um and sometimes i have someone to come with me and sometimes not the times that I don't and I, I feel good about a night, which has not played out properly yet, um, I usually text a buddy of mine like, hey, you know, you're, are you going to stay late at work tonight? Or are you going to be around after five if I uh, happen to get a deer? Because that's always like you can you can kind of read how to do things. You can look at how you're supposed to, you know, take care of an animal or something like that. But I don't think any of that can really prepare you unless you're doing it and you have someone show you um so yeah i would imagine that you know having someone there the first time you got a deer was extremely helpful oh for sure i totally agree with that because i i definitely watched a bunch of youtube videos of people field dressing and and you know quartering deer and stuff like that but then when you're actually looking at the thing in real life you're you're kind of just like okay what what do i do now you know you're you're just standing in front of it and, and you don't even know what the, what the next step is. It just, you know, your mind kind of goes blank sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So then, um, the first time you actually got a deer, what, what was that feeling like in terms of like, did you, did you know right away you had a successful shot? And then, um, after you realized you did, what was that feeling like excitement or was it also kind of like, Holy crap, this actually happened. Now I have to, now I have to do everything else attached to this. <laughs> yeah i th i think it was a little bit of everything you know um number one was just kind of like disbelief that it it actually happened you know because uh it, it definitely wasn't the first hunt that i'd been on that i that i got a deer um and i wasn't sure if i would ever actually actually do it um so i i remember at, at that first deer specifically i i think it was about 20 yards away and I was, I was in the tree stand, but it, it was positioned perfectly. I mean, it was, it was just, uh, distracted and feeding and, and I had this perfect shot lined up and I remember thinking to myself, okay, if I, if I move my finger at all, you know, with, with the trigger release, I was like, this, this deer is going down. So <laughs> I, thankfully at that time I I'd been practicing a whole lot and I felt pretty confident at, at that short range. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I released the arrow and, and saw the hit and, you know, watch, watch the deer bound away for, for a little while. Um, and then I, I waited a little bit and got out of the tree and tried to, you know, basically start blood trailing it. Like, like you're quote unquote supposed to. Right. Uh, I, I found a little bit of blood, but I was like, you know what, this is, maybe not quite as good of a shot as I thought it was. I was losing a little confidence. I was like, okay, I, I don't know if I got the lungs and heart, you know, whatnot. Um, but my, my buddy, my, my hunting mentor came out and he helped me track it, track it down essentially. And it, it really hadn't gone that far. Uh, so that was, that was just a, a great experience. And I, I was just so relieved that, you know, I, I hadn't just wounded the animal only for it to, to suffer and, and die slowly. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's, like you said, it was really cool to have someone there to help you and know how to look. And 
um, really nice to have someone there to help you out. Um, and then when you, so I guess, did you even know how to, uh, so like, obviously the, this guy helped you field dress it. And then, um, I think you said that you had taken, um, you had taken the deer to a processor. You didn't do all of it, um, yourself the first time. Um, were you kind of like confused as to how to actually cook it then? Cause you're, cause you're like the, again, the same thing is like with hunting. It's not like you just get a bow and shoot it. Now you you've done all this other stuff. Now you still have to turn this into the food that you eat. Cause like there's this whole thing anymore with, Oh, I'd, I'd like to be more responsible for my own food, which is a fantastic thing. Um, but the first time you're kind of doing that is like, wow, there's a lot more involved in this. And I kind of understand why people don't do this anymore. Um, just in the sense of like, you know, the, the first time I butchered chickens, I was like, all right, I have my chickens. They're no longer laying. These chickens are going to turn into food, but there's this whole process for it, of butchering, packaging, all this stuff. And then like, you know, you, you have to, you have to deal with it a little bit differently than you would chicken from the store. Um, so in that same way, was it kind of like a continue, like a continued learning lesson, um, when you actually went to cook, uh, some of the meat that you got? Yeah. And I, I think this whole process has been just a continual learning sort of thing. Um, I, I think the nice thing about having access to, to processors is, you know, they, they kind of turn it into like a semi supermarket experience after you drop off the, the animal, you know, they, yeah they take their time and, and do things really nicely for you and package it professionally. So by the time you get it, it's, it's almost like you just went to the supermarket to, to pick it up. Um, but it is more satisfying knowing that, that the meat came off of an animal that, that you were able to harvest yourself. Right. Um, it wasn't until, uh, I guess pretty recently that I, I did almost the whole thing where I, I gutted, skinned and quartered the animal where I was really feeling a huge difference between that and, and just going to the grocery store and, and picking up a package of meat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, I mean, um, I mean, you kind of felt a lot more direct connection then to what you're eating. Um, and not just like in a, you know, pretty glorified way or anything, but just like in, in the sense of like, I did this myself. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, in some way nature provided that opportunity for you in what, in whatever way you were obviously at the right place at the right time. Um, you know, you obviously had, there was certainly skill involved with, um, shooting and, uh, you know, the actual hunt itself. Um, and then you were fortunate enough to actually have a deer. Um, but then there, but then on your end is the, you know, like you're, you're a lot more responsible for what you're doing. Um, and so do you find that that's a very valuable thing in and of itself? Like I did this myself. I didn't really rely on any, you know, I have food and that's, um, based on my own self-reliance. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really just humbling and, and great to know that like, okay, I, you know, we, we have all this privilege in, in life right now and we can go out and, and purchase food whenever we want. But obviously if, if for whatever reason we can't go and do that, that, yeah, you know, we'd be able to be self-sufficient and, and use what nature gives us and, and be able to take something that, you know, is a, is a whole animal and, and be able to turn that into usable food. I mean, it's a, it's a great feeling. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. How long do you think, uh, your most recent deer will, 
will last in the freezer there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not probably not as long as uh, as I'd like it to. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I gave away a little bit because we, we had this whole thing where all of a sudden we had like 80 pounds of meat that we couldn't fit in the freezer. Oh, and okay. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, I got to find somewhere to like put this meat. So I was like, okay, neighbors take some and, you know, try to stuff the rest in the freezer however we could. Yeah. Uh, but you got to get a new freezer, yeah. man. You got to get a chest freezer too. Yeah. Thankfully we, we were able to get one after like another week or two. Okay. Um, so that, that problem solved for now. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that really I, I would like to make the switch to having more wild meat uh, and, and eating it more consistently. And if, if I go ahead and do that, then yeah, the, the 80 pounds wouldn't really last all that long for me. Right. Right. You're a hungry guy. You're the guy who orders two <laughs> entrees. <laughs> That's right. You've, you've been with me at, at plenty of meals and uh, yeah, you know, Alyssa always has her her face in her hands just you know when i when i order an extra entree <laughs> is someone else joining you no no it's just it's just second meal <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> um and so when you well i guess real quick i do have one little question with uh with hunting in general just as like a preference you've now so your most recent deer um you shot with a rifle correct correct and i i hate thinking about that a little bit i uh, Oh, is that like a pride like, thing or is that just you prefer the bow? A, a little bit of both, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think we've talked about this before where it's like, okay, we, we really want to to try to remain true to bow hunting if we can. And, uh, you know, I, I think it got to a point where it was a couple of things that I had realized. And number one, it was like, okay, I, I don't have the time that I used to. Uh, to, to actually go out and practice shooting my bow. Uh, so I, I definitely developed a little bit of rust there. And I was like, you know, if, if uh, a deer comes in front of me, I'm, I'm feeling less confident that I can make a clean shot. Uh, and then, of course, if I whiff a shot, then I'm just going to feel terrible. Yeah. Uh, but then also I was like, you know, the, it's, it's uh, starting to get to be end of season and i i really want to meet this year because i i skipped last year uh with with everything that we had going on yeah so you know it, it, it was still a great experience and i think i'm going to use the rifle more but hopefully i can be more of like a, a hybrid hunter yeah yeah the uh yeah i've i've gone out with a rifle and i've kind of been it, it's a weird thing where i'm like going out kind of hoping that i don't see a deer so i have a reason to not shoot it but i also really want a deer to come out because if i'm out there with a rifle that means i've pretty much missed my opportunity with the bow and i really want meat so it's but i but i don't really want to use the rifle <laughs> exactly i think we're in the same uh same boat there yeah um, have you gone I, out with a rifle in pa yet uh, yeah, I, I did, um, opening, the only day I went out this year was opening day. I, I didn't, it's just, there's a million people on public land in Pennsylvania with rifle hunting. Um, it's just not, yeah, it's just not as fun to me. I don't know. I, I don't really know how to say it other than it's just not as, not as fun. Um, although the yeah, pro, yeah. The, the pro that's nice is you don't have to add a half hour, uh, to your, to your wake up call for trying to climb a tree, which is nice. <laughs> that, that is, 
that is positive, especially when it's pitch black and, you know, you, you try to stay as quiet as you can and, you, you know, you may or may not have a, a headlight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, the first day of archery season this, this year, I went out with uh, a buddy of mine. We went to his spot um, and he he swears that he charged his headlight the night before. And his headlight didn't work that day. So he's walking around with his eye with his, you know, iPhone trying to find his way. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, well, I didn't really know what tree I was going to climb because you just told me the general area. So I got to find one in the dark. But I also need to shine my headlamp while you climb your tree because you can't really like hold a phone and climb successfully. So it was kind no, of a mess. Not with a with a climbing stand, I imagine. So. No, no. Although uh, a friend of mine um, just recently got a saddle. So I'm interested to see what he has to say about those. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I've, I've never uh, seen one of those in action. So. Yeah. I, I'm just at a point where I'm like, what, whatever is the easiest thing for me to get into a tree as fast as possible, aiming the, the most precise shot, just because, you know, um, the, the thing with the saddle, though, is I guess there's no metal because that's the thing is like, I need to try and be as quiet as I can walking into the woods with this metal thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just wants to hit tree branches in my way. But anyway, right. alert every single animal in the area that that you're coming through. Yep, pretty much. I mean, you know, I guess it's all part of it, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, it just makes it that much harder, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then like kind of this, this idea with hunting is for you is kind of like a, a self-reliance thing as well as a meat thing, as well as a, you just, you know, like shooting your bow and you enjoy the process of all of it. Um, you were kind of saying how you do like the self-reliance aspect of it. Um, do you find that that kind of ekes its way into other parts of your life, just in terms of trying to do more things for yourself? Or is that kind of like just exclusive to hunting for you? I think it's uh, a little bit of a persistent self-improvement kind of thing for me. Um, I, I think when I was a, when I was a young kid, I was just, you know, super lazy about everything. I didn't want to do anything or learn how to do anything. Um, but now as I, as I get older and older, I'm, I'm finding actually that I'm interested in learning to, to do different tasks and be more self-reliant. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully that's going to translate over to more and more things. Um, you know, especially now that I'm a, I'm a homeowner, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to more, uh, more confidently do stuff around the house and whatnot. Uh, and, and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, especially, yeah, especially in the house, you'll definitely save a lot of money that way. Or you'll spend a lot of money because you mess it up and have to fix it. <laughs> I'd say it's about a 50-50 chance either way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. The, it is interesting. You kind of, when you are a kid, you're kind of lazy about it maybe. But yeah, I, I would agree. I find the same thing that like the older I get, the more I'm interested in trying to figure it out for myself. But then I also do have the, there is a, if I, if I'm like opposed to trying something myself, I do find there's a laziness factoring in um, like th there's like a I don't feel like doing that kind of factor depending on what the task is. Um, but really what that is, I think, is like, oh, well, what if I mess it up? I, I know somebody else knows how to do this. I'll pay somebody else to do this. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that either. It's, it's, it's just I find that that tends to be like 
part of the matrix of a decision to do something for myself or not. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's so many other things that you have to consider too. I mean, obviously your, your time is super valuable and, and you know that better than anyone with, uh, with two kids and everything. So there, there's always that aspect because right, you, you don't, you don't want to start some project and, you know, mess it up and, and waste a bunch of time on it only to have to get someone else to do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That and, uh, you know, there, there's the other thing too, of when people are like, oh, well, it's so much cheaper when you do it yourself. And you're like, yeah, that's true. But for this specific thing, I do find value in someone else doing it. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe it comes down to, you know, a couple of things like personal preference of whatever, whatever activity or, or thing that you're doing to, to be self-reliant. And then, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm still figuring it out myself. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you on that for sure. Yeah, I definitely have a, a little dream world though, where like I have a group of people who are all doing certain things themselves. Um, but you can kind of all trade, uh, trade talents, if that makes sense, or trade um, provisions, sort of. Like, so a friend of mine really likes to raise broiler chickens, Carl. Um, yeah. I don't really have any interest in raising chickens, but down the road when we have our uh, house of our own and a little bit of land, not like you know tons of land, but actual space um, of our own anyway, I think it would be cool to uh, raise a beef cow. And so like he has no interest in that. So like, hey, I'll trade you some beef for some chicken and that kind of thing. And oh, hey, you're really good at, um, you know, working on cars. Can you help me work on my car and I'll help you do this? You know, Carl actually doesn't hunt, so it'd be cool if I could kind of teach him how to hunt as I learn a little bit more. Um, I think that's important too. just, you know, people who are trying to do things for themselves, try and help them when they need help and uh, ask for help from them when you uh, are trying to learn something new that they might know. Um, I think that's always the, the best way to get to know a group of people that you're unfamiliar with in a community that you're unfamiliar with is just ask for help for something. Oh, for sure. I mean, everyone's got their own skill set. And, you know, it, I, I think it's good to lean on others and, and have them lean on you when it comes to stuff like that. I, I think it just brings everyone closer together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks, man. Um, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. And thanks for taking time out of uh, being on call and all of that. Um, what, what's, uh, what are some of your next plans for either, you know, camping, outdoor adventuring, hunting, uh, what do you have on, have on the docket for the future? Yeah, I think, uh, right now, thankfully there's, there's not too much. Uh, we've been doing a lot of travel and, and had a bunch of weddings and stuff to, to go to. So right now we're just kind of finally taking a little bit of a breather and, and, you know, taking care of stuff around the house, but, Hopefully uh, later in the year, you know, we'll have some some nice trips planned and, you know, be able to spend some more time outdoors. Um, maybe maybe California or something like that later in the year, but we'll, we'll see. What cool. about uh, what about you guys? Any plans? Um, I always have too many plans and uh, not enough communication on it, but uh, <laughs> I kind of have a harebrained idea. We'll, we'll see. I, I may be... Um, I don't know. We'll have to see how my summer rolls, but I have a harebrained idea to try and finish the mid-state trail this year, which is 
a lot, but I don't know. I'd, I'd like to do it if I can see if I can con someone into doing some of it with me, but <laughs> well, um, I think uh, you had already started it, right? So you, you're slowly chipping away and uh, you know, you're, you're pretty darn fast. So I think if, yeah. you, if you really wanted to, you could, you could speed through that without, yeah. without too much time. I think I have, I think I've done somewhere in this, somewhere around 60 miles and it's like 323. But actually, I mean, I don't know, you get somebody to go with you south and then you get someone else to go with you north on a different trip, knock out most of it. Um, yeah, then it then it just comes to being, you know, hours away of driving to get to the trail is all. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, that's that's I think that's pretty much all we have uh, that and try and survive with kids. <laughs> <laughs> the constant struggle. right? Yes, the constant struggle that is nothing but rewards and challenges. It's a it's a it's a very interesting perspective on the seesaw of uh, challenge and great success scale of life i guess <laughs> yeah well it's it, it's awesome and I, I i love seeing you and and hannah do it because I, I think you two do a great job and of course i i love ro and ursa and it's just amazing watching them grow from afar oh thank you thank you it's pretty cool to watch them grow from here too they, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting though i think i said to Alyssa that um rowena has Alyssa's sort of uh stank face so oh, yeah, I could see it's, that. <laughs> it's, it's interesting every now and then like, ah, there's my sister. <laughs> yeah. She's a Markowitz. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, Alex. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, do you have any questions for me? I never ask people, do you have questions for me? I guess you asked what, what plans I have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to see each other again in person fairly soon and, and catch up. I'm I'm hoping that at some point we can get y'all to to come out to uh, to Austin and and visit the place and maybe convince you guys to move down here. We'll see. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be that hard when it's when it's negative three degrees and wet. Um, so <laughs> so right. there's that. And it's you know, it's not that today. It's 15 degrees and blowing sideways. But but cool. Oh, yeah, we we definitely definitely need to come to Texas sooner or later. And someday I'd like to come there and maybe hunt with you if we can make that happen sometime absolutely let's do that cool all right alex thanks so much for taking the time today appreciate it all right thank you brother good to see you Bye. yep see ya thanks for tuning in to the conversation with my brother-in-law alex uh i hope you enjoyed the conversation as well as maybe had a few new ideas to get started on some projects that you've kind of had in the back of your mind uh and now have some new confidence in going forward and doing those things um, if you enjoy this podcast, I hope you find me on Instagram, whether at my personal handle at ZachMark40 um, or the the podcast Instagram now, which is Younger Old Man Podcast. Should be pretty easy to find. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please share this podcast with your friends, your family, anyone who you think would enjoy it. Uh, and please leave a rating on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and I hope you guys tune in next week.